Every day at this time, we will be engaging in a very particular practice called the heart practices or the Brahma Viharas. Brahma Viharas translated as divine abodes or divine resting places. So the invitation is to allow your body to be in as much ease as it needs to be. So it's true the typical posture of uprightness and receptivity, but there's something about the heart practices where we also want to keep a softness, an allowance, a tenderness, a care towards our bodies and ourselves. It's so perfect that you've just come from this beautiful holding by Booker and movement practice. Um, I think it's really helpful for our bodies to have this level of um, movement. Well, I think you might have been lying down a lot today. (laughs) Maybe not a whole lot of movement. (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, really connecting to the body before this practice. And I want to I talk about it a little bit, but I also feel like um, too many words actually don't feel right to me today. Um, but definitely digging into the practice more. So I love the story of um, sort of the mythological story that's told about metta where there were, in the suttas, there's always groups of 500 monastics who travel around together. Makes me think a little bit, it might have looked like a music festival or something if you were were villagers seeing 500 people descend upon your village or the outskirts of your village. So there were these kind of big troops of monastics that would travel together, monks and nuns. And um, in this one story, the, the Buddha sent these 500 monks and nuns to the foothills of the Himalayas for four months. And through his mind's eye, he envisioned this really beautiful, kind of perfect place. Um, it's said to, the water is said to have looked like quartz crystal, and there was just trees and jungle you know, we're talking 2,600 years ago before the earth was over-inhabited or overbuilt. So if you can imagine, maybe even closing your eyes and imagining a time when the land was pretty plenty and full of greenery and jungle and wildlife still exists in many places. And so the Buddha sent these 500 monastics to this place. Um, But at the same time, this place was inhabited by these um, tree spirits. These tree deities who really loved their home. And all of a sudden, like I said, imagine a band of 500 (laughs) humans rolling into your pristine spot 
So no matter how um, practice-filled they are, there's a footprint, right? So these deities saw them coming and landing and staying. They, they kind of thought, the deities kind of thought, oh, they'll just be here for a few days. We'll give them a break. We'll let them pass through and we'll have our beautiful space back. But no, they stayed longer than the deities had planned or thought. And so they didn't really like this much and decided that they were going to scare them off. They were going to wreak havoc. So here these monastics are, kind of like all of you, sitting. The plan was to go and sit in silence for four months. And here they're sitting in these very tricky and somewhat pissed off deities. (laughs) Decide that they're going to figure out how to get rid of you. And so here is your mind trying to settle, trying to find some peace. And all of a sudden, out comes these very scary, violent thoughts. So they were trying to send these demonic visions into the minds of the monastics. And they were said to have sent the most terrible smells that you could ever imagine So they sent terrible smells. They sent terrible thoughts and visuals. And so here are these well-intended monastics, just like you, are sitting and are being berated by and assaulted by these very uncomfortable and scary imaginings. And so they run off. They get scared. It worked. They run off, and they go back to the Buddha, however far away that was, because mind you, they're on foot. So they run back to the Buddha, really scared, and they said, oh, please, don't make us go back there. It was terrible. And the Buddha told them, I'm sorry. There's no other place for you to go. This is the only place to go. You need to go back. So they dutifully go back. But he sent them back with some arms, with some defense. But it's not the typical defense. It was not the defense of stomping out the deities or chopping down the trees or, you know, poisoning the water. The defense was sending them with metta, what we call metta, these phrases of kindness and care and love and benevolence. So he sent them back with these chants, this metta sutta. And they went back and chanted the metta sutta every time they got afraid, or every time something scary arose, or something difficult or uncomfortable. They would chant this metta sutta to the tree deities, to the bad smells, to the violent images, to that which was uncomfortable. And the deities liked it so much that they decided to let them stay. So there they abided together for the four months of the retreat period. And we can look at that however we want. We can look at it as a 
as a true story. Maybe it is. But we can also look at it as a beautiful metaphor for the mind and what we encounter when we are in practice. Knowing that the world is pretty tricky and uncomfortable. And our minds can reflect that and do reflect that. And so the metta practice is a gift for us to balance out this practice that we ask ourselves to come into contact with that which is real and true and oftentimes difficult. Um, But we have also been given a counter practice to arm ourselves with. So that's what I want to share with you today. And so I say this word metta, typically translated as loving kindness. But also knowing that that word love can be tricky. It's a a tricky word. Uh, Maybe we haven't all had um, shining examples of love in our lives. I know I certainly didn't many times through my life. So I like to really kind of refer to the words care or friendliness, kindness. They seem palatable. (laughs) They seem doable. And so if you can right now, seeing what that feels like in your heart space. So when I say heart space, typically, you know, typically the chest area, I think, is where a lot of people feel that emotion. Maybe you do or don't. If that is not where you experience this emotion, that's totally okay. For me, feeling this kindness and care didn't make a whole lot of sense. I was a little numb for many years, a lot numb. So this practice can often be thought of as a practice of cultivation. It's a practice of growth. It's a practice of seed planting, a practice of watering. So we're going to learn this together over the next week at this time and see how it feels for you. See what it feels like, this idea of radical, non-judgmental, unconditional care. And allow yourself to feel that wherever you do. Radical, unconditional, non-judgmental care, kindness, friendliness. Some people while doing this practice like to actually touch their heart space, which is an invitation. It, It can sometimes help us to locate or find where that lives, but it's not necessary. It's your call.
And today we're going to work with, the practice can work in many directions with many people, but today we're going to work with that which is most easy. That which your mind and heart don't have to find difficulty in or any sort of um, process or problem with. So if you can, allowing yourself to imagine a being doesn't need to be human. It can be an animal. It can be a plant. It can be a view. It can be a time in your life. This practice is really about allowing the space for this idea of metta. Not necessarily focused on anything. So seeing if you can find something that when you think about it, your heart finds joy. So I know for me right now what's coming to mind is my 15-year-old girl dog at home who is just so happy to see me every time I walk in the door. She's so happy to see me every morning. She's just happy that I'm alive. (laughs) It's just crazy. And she's so old and broken, and yet her love is so strong. So when I think of her, Pandora is her name, all it does is evoke this spacious, open care and love and friendliness. So seeing if you can find something, someone, a space, a place, a thing that allows your heart to be totally free or as free as it can be and wants to be. And how I know when I found the right one is I can't help but smile. It's just something that happens to my corners of my mouth when I think of Pandora. And knowing that if, if, if there isn't something that comes directly, that's totally okay. Sometimes all we need to do is connect with the feeling, if possible. Trying to watch the judgment or the choosing, but just letting it be really simple, uncomplicated. And so how the traditional phrases go when we're practicing metta is wishing this being well or this thing or this place. It's harder for a place to be well, but we can do it anyway. This expression of may you be happy. May you be happy. Just our heart opening and allowing itself to express this joy and well-wishing for another person. 
another place, another being. May you be happy. May you be at ease. May you be at ease. Thinking of even land right now that might be at risk. Wishing that land well. May you be at ease. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be free. Just allowing these phrases to repeat in your mind if they feel right. May you be happy. May you be at ease. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be free. And just allowing that expression of good wishes to be felt if possible. May you be happy. May you be at ease. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be free. For the next few moments, I'll just let you hold the practice how you will.
So I just want to, in all honesty, share with you, and maybe some of you can relate to this, but this practice for me was not easy when I first started it. Um, For those of you who it is easy for, good. It's so good. Um, But I just want you to know that, you know, when I first heard it, it sounded like really flowery and sort of, I don't know, like... (laughs) Like kind of like a bullshit prayer or something, you know? So I just had a hard time really connecting to it. Um, I thought that the mindfulness practice was where it was at, and then this was just a side note. Um, so if that's what feels, if, what, if that's what you're experiencing, I just want you to know it's okay. And that through time and cultivation, for me, it's actually become one of my most important and crucial practices to balancing out um, some of the other practices. One of my favorite quotes for this is um, St. Francis de Sales, who said, you learn to speak by speaking, run by running. The only way to attain love is by loving. So it's something that, you know, maybe it might feel weird or foreign or even vulnerable at first to connect with this part of our bodies, right? Because it has a very physiological, sensory feeling. Like, we actually can feel it here, which is wild. (laughs) But just know we can also feel love in other places and in other ways. You know, I feel love through service or other ways. But just just checking it out for yourselves right now and taking time and watching the judging mind if it doesn't make sense yet or if it doesn't feel right. And just come to this practice period and, and, and learn with it, grow with it, check it out, try it on. Sound fair? <laughs>